A private security alarm at a house sends police racing to the location. They're expecting the worst, but what they find is simply bizarre. And no one wants to talk about politics here on Earth. We've been talking about it for too long. So today we're going to talk about politics in space. More specifically, how would you overthrow a dictatorship on Mars? Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. I hope you guys had an awesome Halloween. Hope you guys had a lot of fun. Hope you guys got a bunch of candy because you're 10 years old. And they don't even let you trick-or-treat anymore, which sucks. But um, technically, everyone was wearing a mask, so it should be fine. But no, you know, that kind of sucked. We actually did a Patreon Halloween live stream, which was a lot of fun. We had a bunch of people show up for that, and I enjoyed it thoroughly, and everyone seemed to be having fun. Just talked about some behind-the-scenes stuff, talked about ghosts a bit. Uh, Veronica made an appearance. The haunted doll Veronica was hanging out. Um, didn't, didn't do anything. Didn't dance around or a little ghost pop out of it or anything that would prove that she was haunted. But she's still always, you know, good to be... She's always good for a laugh. Just hanging out and stuff like that. Let's go ahead and give a shout out to one of our legacy Patreons, Jack. Everyone give a round of applause to Jack. He's been supporting the show for a while now. Really, really appreciate your support. You're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. If you can't support the Patreon, I totally get it. Just help spread the word about the show really, really helps out a lot. A lot of people have said they've brought in new listeners. Really appreciate that. So, Jack, I'm going to toss you the keys to a brand new vehicle. I just made up. I just came up with it. The Hair Hovercraft, or maybe the Hairvercraft. No. The Hair Hovercraft. I've always wanted a hovercraft. And we have one now. I have one in my imagination now. The Hair Hovercraft. The reason why we have a hovercraft is because we're going to the swamp. So, anyway, never mind. <laughs> this story doesn't take place in the swamp. It takes place in Florida. But I want... Anyways, since we're, go- we're doing, uh, like, donuts in the middle of the swamps in Florida, and after we get done doing that, then we get in the Dead Rapid. <laughs> just the dead- we just get a taxi cab, and we go to this location, Jackson, in the backseat. He's like, oh, I can't even drive the taxi cab. You got to drive the hair hovercraft, okay? So anyways, we take a taxi. We're headed out to Orange County, Florida. It's October 15th, 2020. Jack Jack is having to pay the taxi cab driver. There's a house in the middle of a normal neighborhood, and there's, there's no swamp. There's no swamp anywhere around. There's a house in a normal neighborhood. We're walking through the neighborhood, and we hear a We're kind of looking at each other. We recognize the sound. It's a residential alarm. <laughs> We've broken into many houses ourselves. We know what a Brinks residential alarm sounds like. Ee, ee, ee. And the neighbors are like, oh man, that's annoying. <laughs> I'm trying to watch The Bachelor. There's this alarm going off. Hope nothing bad's going on. Cops are racing to the scene. Because this residential alarm is not just anyone's house. It's a house of a sheriff's deputy. So they're thinking something really bad could happen. If it's happening in your house, eh, they'll take their time. They're doing donuts in the swamp, and they're like, oh, we'll get there in a second. But when it's a sheriff's deputy, they want to get there right away. And so the Orange County police walk up to the house. Hey, Christopher. Christopher Daughtry. You're a member of... He's like, it's Daughtry. They're like, whatever. We don't know how to pronounce your name. But you're a sheriff's deputy, and we're cops, so let us in. 
And um, the article doesn't actually say how the cops got in, so we'll embellish that part. I'm sure they just opened the door and walked in, or maybe Christopher opened the door for him. But I think it was a little more than that. So (laughs) the door opens super slow. It's all rusty. There's like cobwebs everywhere. Flickering light on the end of the hallway. There's a guy moving all super fast in the corner. They're like, ah, get back up here. They go into the house. At some point, they get in the house. And the reason why I don't know if the door was opened or if they kicked it in was because of a detail that's coming up. But they get into the house, and this is what they find. Christopher Daughtry, he's a 37-year-old sheriff's deputy. He's been a sheriff's deputy since, like, 2006. He's not, like, some rookie. He has a pistol on him. That's not weird. It would be weird if the cop didn't have a pistol on him. Right? He's just sitting home reading a book. They're like, my God, what are you doing? He's like, oh, I don't know. Something's wrong with me. He had a pistol on him. That's fine. His son was there as well, who had a taser, was holding a taser. The article doesn't say how old these kids are, and it actually makes a big difference. Because if these kids are like 16, 17, then it's just kind of a fun family romp, maybe. Let's play dress up here. You can have my taser, son. But if the kids are like 12 or 8 or 3, then having a taser is not good for those for those ages. They're not built For anyone under the age of 16. So if a three-year-old's like playing with a taser, trying to eat it and stuff like that, that's not good. But anyways, they don't say the age. We'll just say they're 12 years old. I don't know why. (laughs) Just because it makes the story more chilling. So his son has a taser and the cops are like, oh no. And then they go into the bedroom and his daughter is in there and she's laying on the floor holding a rifle in a perfect prone firing position. And she has on a Kelvar helmet and body armor. Which, to that, I imagine the cops were like, "Oh, look at that. Look at how giant that helmet is. It's like covering up her vision. She's wearing, like, her dad's body armor. She looks like she's in the Bad News Bears or something like that. They weren't. They weren't like, oh, that's so adorable. Look at... They were concerned because here is this child. Again, we don't know the age, but... Holding this rifle in a firing position... They very quickly are able to figure out kind of what's going on. It doesn't make any sense, but at least they kind of know what's going on. So all of this is alleged, by the way. The kids tell this story that the dad started telling the kids that the house was infested with demons. At that point, the cops are like, oh, cops are like, go in the bathroom, do Bloody Mary. No way, man. I I did that at our last crime scene. You do it. They're pushing each other into the, they're pushing each other into the bathroom, but the kids say, the kids are like, are you done joking, dude? Like, this is super serious. They're all concerned for their dad. They said, our dad came home and told us their house was infested with demons. And that the boy, the son, was possessed by a demon. Which is not a comforting thing to hear. And so the dad did an exorcism on the son and pulled the demon out of his son's body. I release you out of my son. But there were still demons all over the house. At that point, Christopher Daughtry started handing out weapons. And he told his daughter, who was in the firing position, if anyone enters the house, you kill him. He got taken to the hospital, right? That's not something the cops are going to be like, we'll come back to ask more questions later. They have a thing called the Baker Act, where you can actually hospitalize someone against their will if you think they're a danger to others. He was also fired from his job as a sheriff's deputy. But not because of this. Not because of this, by the way. This didn't get him <laughs> this didn't get him fired. He got fired for bad performance at work. 
So basically, he's like misfiling paperwork. He's like, they're like, can you go make copies of all this evidence? He's like, yeah, boss, sure. He's putting it in the shredder. They're like, Christopher. He's, gonna, he, he's walking around with a burrito in his holster. They're like, where's your pistol? He's like, oh, no, I ate it. I don't know. <laughs> I don't think he's a cartoon character. But they didn't fire him for performing exorcisms, which I guess probably isn't a fireable offense. It's probably a hireable offense. You're like, oh, you can perform exorcisms? That's dope. Put that on your resume. He did get charged, though. He did get arrested for child abuse. And I don't think it was... He might have been, like, doing some, like, like punching the demon out of the kid or something like that. But I think child abuse, I think it's kind of a catch-all. And it would include mental abuse. If you're telling your kids, like, there's... I, I think even if you told your kids your house was haunted and there were demons everywhere, I don't think that's child abuse. I think giving your children weapons and telling them to shoot people who come in the house, that's... I'm not an expert of the law, but I'm pretty sure that's what he got charged with. But yeah, so anyways, he's in jail. He was arrested for that. It's interesting because the police, when they're giving their their statement on it, they're like, he was fired for an unrelated offense due to job performance. And that ended with saying, we hope this guy gets some help. So I'm wondering if they saw warning signs along the way where he'd be at work and he'd be trying to perform exorcisms on stuff. He's pulling the jelly out of a jelly donut with just his mind. They're like, Christopher, how do you do that? He's like, I don't know. Who knows? But apparently that's on the level of pulling a demon out of a human body. But anyways, a bizarre story. And luckily, luckily, that girl didn't open fire. That girl must have been smart enough to know her dad was going crazy. Because you give a gun to a kid and you tell them, you if anyone comes in the house, you shoot them. And that's why I don't know if Christopher opened the door or not. Um, I don't know if the cops had to kick it down or something like that. But that girl who had that rifle trained, ready to shoot, didn't pull the trigger. And the most mysterious part about the story that I couldn't find in the articles I read, who set off the residential alarm? Because remember, that's what brought... This was ongoing in this house. That's what brought the cops was the alarm going off. You got to wonder what would have happened here if that alarm hadn't gone off. It turns out there may not have been a demon in that house, but a guardian angel protecting the lives of those two kids and anyone else who showed up to help. Jack, let's go ahead and call in that carpenter copter. We are leaving behind Florida. We are headed up to that red marble in the pitch black sky, Mars. We're going through the atmosphere and stuff like that. We're flying out in deep space. I hope you brought your space suit because I don't provide oxygen on this show. It's very, very expensive. Hold your breath if you didn't provide that. I recently did an episode uh, last week where we took back Mars from the slave colonies that don't exist up there. The Mar- the planet exists, but the slave colonies don't. But we took them back anyways. We defeated the alien menace. And after I did that episode, I got an article from a YouTube listener called Jorge Duarte. He sent me this article written by Richard Hollingham. It was called How to Overthrow a Martian Dictatorship. Thank you so much for sending that article. It was a very, very interesting read. Jack is flying us over the barren Martian landscape, but all of a sudden we're in the year 2150, and we see a glimmering domed city over the horizon. We land. We can breathe now because we're inside this beautiful oxygenated dome. 
We're walking around. And we just see, like, miners working there. The job, not the kids. We see uh, scientists walking around with beakers and test tubes. It looks like a pretty well-put-together society. And then we hear over a megaphone. Citizens of Mars Colony. Colony. We didn't come up with a better name than that. Than that. This place is now controlled by the Carpenter Corporation. All dissent is illegal. All laws are things I will make up in the future. I didn't have time before I had the revolution. This place is now controlled by me. We're like, what? What's going on? At that point, we see my great-great-future uh, ancestor, descendant, whatever the term is, appear on screen. And a bunch of dudes start walking around. They're dressed like uh, how you would expect a totalitarian army to be dressed. Um, use your imagination. There's been so many through world history. And they're walking around and they're beating up people with truncheons. And they're kicking over beakers. They leave the miners alone because those guys are kind of tough and they have pickaxes. My great descendant has taken over the Mars colony. This was a really interesting article. As we're hiding out in a basement now, we're talking really, really softly. We just have candles to light ourselves. This was a really interesting article because Richard Hollingham goes over this uh, group called the British Interplanetary Society. And they got together and they had a meeting. And it was, how could you overthrow a totalitarian government on Mars? They were basically wargaming it. They were pretending they were MI6 agents on Earth trying to communicate with colonists on Mars to help free this colony from a dictatorship. And it kind of lays a couple things out. One, any violence coming from the government would just be the government walking around with sticks beating you. There's just more of them, and they have, uh, they have an overwhelming physical force. But if you wanted to fight back against that, the violence you would commit would be devastating to that city. Case in point, you can have a government rule an area of land, and they have the military might, they have the police might, they have the, the rule of policies and the control of all these aspects. So to fight back in our planet, you would start doing asymmetrical warfare. You'd be blowing stuff up, targeted assassinations, things like that. That wouldn't work in a dome city on Mars. One, it's not like you like plant a bomb in a pub and then you run away and the pub blows up. On Mars, it would take out the dome. It would take out the dome. There were Basque terrorists back in like the 1960s. They wanted to blow up some politician driving down the road, some Spanish politician. They knew which way he was going to go down the road on a certain day. They packed the sewer with explosives. And when they detonated it, the car blew up, of course, but then flipped in the air and flew over a city block and landed on the other street a block away. If you did that on, that on Mars, everyone's dead. Unless you were trying to kill everyone on Mars, you couldn't do asymmetrical warfare. Guns are meant to... Pre- I remember I was talking to a friend of mine at work. We're both really big guys, and he was talking about getting a gun. I said, guns are to protect people like them, as I was pointing out, kind of like the groups of just normal people. You know, the Guns were built to protect people like them from people like us. Like We are just big people, and if we were in a battlefield or in a contained space or something like that, it's really, really hard to beat us down. For an untrained person to fight somebody my size, it's very difficult. So guns were basically invented so someone who is 150 pounds could fight someone my size. And to hunt. But, but you know what I mean? I mean, there's other... But that's a revolver. That's the purpose of it. If you have 50 soldiers in your local government, your Martian government, 
with billy clubs, they're going to rule that city. They're not, even if you had like a minor strike, a minor coalition, they're going to be stronger, but you would want to make sure those guys are on your side too. And if not, you just beat them up with your billy clubs and take their pickaxes or whatever. You want to be able to be shooting gun, like targeted assassinations. What are you going to do? Walk up to the president of Mars and start beating him with a bat. You're like three or four more blows and you're finally going to go to the ground as guards are wrestling you. It's going to be, if we don't have energy weapons that aren't actually piercing through physical things, it's mostly going to be hand-to-hand or melee combat. And you're going to see this theme play out for the rest of this segment. How we're going to see ourselves going backwards to actually move forward into space. So the, the, these people are theorizing this, and they said you wouldn't be able to do any sort of bomb attacks. You wouldn't be able to do any asymmetric warfare. They said what happens if the leader doesn't necessarily control the whole dome city, but controls the air supply? You wouldn't need to actually take political control if you were able to control the vents. These are things that you don't have to worry about on Earth. If someone takes over a government, if you're lucky, you can just leave the country, go to another country. <laughs> I mean, what are you going to do? That's it, I'm out of here. Give me my spacesuit and five years worth of air you're walking around with a three-ton container on your back. You're stuck. You're absolutely stuck there. And if he just controls a portion of it, the most important portion of it, water control, air, sewage, anything like that, you're doomed. And on the flip side, what if You have a terrorist group. You have a totally benign government going on, but someone thinks it's not harsh enough. They need to change their views. They need to do something. They then take over the air supply or simply destroy it. The article goes into ways to prevent this in the first place, and this is where I really just started to disagree with them. I think these ideas are great in principle, but we'll get into why I don't think any of this would work. First off, they said you need to have labor unions. If you have labor unions on Mars, that'll be a big buffer against the takeover by a totalitarian government. They also said having a free press on Mars would do a lot to stymie a dictatorship because then people would be reading the Martian Daily each day and they'd be like, wait, what? Says this guy's a bad guy. You're a bad guy. And he's like, oh, what? Oh, man. Okay, guys, knock off the whole beating people in the street thing. The newspaper said we were a bad guy. And they also said the government of Mars, or these, this colony, should be based on the Bill of Rights in the U.S. Constitution. Here's a quote from the conference organizer, Charles Cockell. He's a professor of astrobiology. Quote, We need to arrive at a balance between a society that maximizes civil liberties, but also maximizes the potential for people to survive the lethal conditions of space. Unquote. This wouldn't work at all. These guys sitting around playing war games with their astrobiology degrees, which I'm sure I'm not, I'm not like, well, they went to college. I was like, this wouldn't work. I guess I am kind of saying this. This wouldn't work, and I'm going to tell you why. If a colony arose on Mars, it's going to be a hellhole. You cannot have... Think about it this way. The Constitution, the Bill of Rights, was crafted over time, but it didn't show up on the Mayflower. Early settlers in a country can't have freedom of speech. They can't have the right to disagree with the local leaders. You have to go there as one unit. You can't go there and get there and be like, you know what, I think that I want to have a society where we follow this new religion I just made up. You'd be ostracized from the colony. 
If 200 people show up at a location and 20 of them decide to follow a different path, that colony will collapse. You would have to go to this colony with one goal, with one singular mindset. It would have to be everyone of the same philosophical makeup, everyone of the same religious makeup, everyone with the same idea. Because if you went up there and someone goes, I want to start doing this differently, it will collapse. This idea of having this dream society on Mars wouldn't work. 200, 300 years after people had already been chilling on Mars, perfect. You can start coming up with all of this freedom, which I love. See, this is the thing, which is funny. I love the Bill of Rights. I think all of those are very important. Also, here's the thing. When you go up there, you're like, yeah, we're based on Bill of Rights, but this thing about the government not putting people in our house, which is like, I think the Fourth Amendment or something like that, Fifth Amendment, the government can't force you to have a British soldier as your roommate. It's super weird. They'll leave that one out. And then once you start leaving stuff out, it opens the door to leaving even more stuff out. You can't have a Second Amendment on Mars. It would actually be counterproductive for everybody to have guns on Mars, like I explained earlier. It would simply destroy the colony. You could say you have the right to bear like a battle axe or nunchucks or something like that, but all of those we- most of those weapons, martial weapons, are based on the skill and the strength of the user. Firearms are based on skill. And even a dummy can learn to pull a trigger. Grouping your shots and stuff like that takes more skill. But if you get to Mars and you have people from all these different philosophical makeups, it won't work. Unless it's money-driven. This is another idea I have. We think about a bunch of scientists being up there and miners mining rocks and things like that. We have this idea of this Star Trek future. That's not what it's going to be like either. I honestly think one way you can make Mars work, and it would be a total hellhole is if it's like the way that day laborers are in the United States. What you have is you have people come from other countries, they work here in barely legal conditions, and they send their money back home. You would be shipping people up to Mars for contracts. You'd, be, you'd say, I'm going to stay up there for two years. You don't get to leave. It's almost like a prison sentence, but... Your money goes back to Earth. Your family back on Earth is going to make a bunch of money. Because at today's technology, it's a six-month journey. Minimum. The farther Mars gets away, which is funny because I made a joke about that in the last episode, but it can take up to a year. So they fly you out there. For two years, they provide you room and board and a little bit of entertainment. They'd have some space strippers or something like that. And the money you get is sent back home. And the reason why that works for everyone, I mean, it sucks for the workers, but... The company or the government that's up there knows that these people, they can't really complain. And the people working there know that the people back home are getting paid fairly well for what they're doing. Because it wouldn't be a great job. But this idea of people walking around Mars and kind of waving to each other and there's lush green trees underneath the dome sitting, stuff like that, it doesn't work for a long, long time. You would have to have a labor force up there. But then I started to think, and, it's, and they're not going to resist because they're like, listen, I only got eight months left. It's just like the same reason why people don't ride in prison all the time. I got eight months left. At least I'm not in prison. Um, I can enjoy this amazing view and I'm getting paid. Like my family's making money. Or when I go back, I'm going to have, you know, 200,000 credits in my account and stuff like that. So that's another way this would actually work. One, you'd send everyone up there who has the same religion, the same philosophical beliefs, the same version of self-sacrifice that we're going to go up there and we're going to bleed and die to make this colony work. 
And there will be no free press. There will be none of these freedoms because those are actually counterintuitive to a stage one colony. It just simply doesn't work. We're going to be going up there. We're going to be trapped. And and, and I try to compare this to Antarctica. If you go to Antarctica, it's a two-day trip by boat or two-hour plane ride. We're talking about six months to a year. And Antarctica, that's what they do. They don't let a bunch of people go over there. And it's not like the real world or Big Brother where they try to get people with different ideas. No. We're going to take a bunch of highly trained American scientists and put them in a base full of other American scientists. They don't go, let's see what happens if we cram a couple philosophers in there. Let's throw in some people who don't have a scientific degree, but they're just curious about the world. It wouldn't work because you're isolated. And that's only a two-hour trip by plane. You never know if the plane's going to be able to get there. But even in Antarctica, they're very, very homogenized. Like, here's the Finnish station. Here's the American station. And even over there when I was researching, I guess people are constantly getting kicked out of Antarctica for like, one, they're like beating each other up. Very rarely. There's not a lot of crime in Antarctica. But they'll like take dirt bikes. They'll take, I didn't even know they had these would work in Antarctica. They were saying that people were taking motorbikes and driving around Antarctica. I'm like running over like ancient lichen or lichen, ancient moss, hitting penguins, doing donuts around penguins, scaring them, making them lay a bunch of eggs. People get kicked out of Antarctica for that, even. So imagine what you'd be doing on Mars in that dune buggy. So you could do a labor force that's just manual labor. You could do what they do in Antarctica. You could have highly trained people up there. You couldn't combine them because that would cause immediate stress between the two groups. So you could either have a research station where everyone up there is an egghead, or you could have a mining station where everyone up there is basically like, I'm doing my two-year stint, I'm getting back home, my money's getting paid to my family, things like that. And, and these problems are even worse when we start looking at generation ships. The secrets to faster-than-light travel. Hypothetical, it'd be awesome if we overcame them, but until we do, we have to build ships. This is kind of the goal, the hundred-year ship, the thousand-year ship. We build a ship that can fly for a hundred years or a thousand years, and it's constantly being maintained by the people on the ship. That's another thing. You could not have people of different dispositions on that ship. You would have to say, guys, no religion on this ship. There's no chapel built onto it. Nothing like that. You want to pray in the privacy of your own room, that's fine. But there's not going to be any newspapers. Like, this is a ship. Its goal is to get from Earth to a thousand years away. And we can't have someone popping up with some brand new ideas about a space god. And you're worshiping the nebula. And all of a sudden you get 10 followers and 30 followers and 50 followers. And that's enough to take over the engineering room. You would have to completely eliminate religion. You would have to completely... You would basically turn people into robots. And that's when I realized when I was researching this. Humanity has no future in space. It really kind of sucks. We always dream about this idea of being on a starship or walking around an alien planet and looking up. But that's not going to work. It's just not going to work. You don't need miners on Mars. You don't need scientists on Mars. We'll have rovers and robots and maybe a handful of humans. Five? Ten, maybe? And then eventually it'll all be rovers controlled from Earth. We talk about these generation ships, but you cannot strip mankind of religion or philosophy. Because both of those, I believe, 
are simply built into the human spirit. You can't cram a thousand people on a ship and say, we're going to send this ship offline for a thousand years, and by the time it gets there, there'll be 10,000 people on the ship and we'll have this new colony, because we know, we just know, if you took a thousand people and put them on a cruise ship, and said, we're going to make this cruise ship, and it can't stop for anything, and we're going to sail it around the world for three years, it would be a cruise ship full of corpses. That's actually a really good idea for a reality show, right? Humanity can't do that. We're all we're at each other's throats over the dumbest things. And now we're going to put them in a deep space. So the future of space travel is humans sitting in a lab on Earth watching a monitor. And that monitor is staring out into the vastness of space. The man sitting at that lab His grandparents weren't even born when that ship was launched from Earth. And his great-great-grandchildren may see that ship land in another star system. But when it does land, that world will be explored, cataloged, analyzed through the eyes of robots. Humanity is not going to be trapped on Earth because of any sort of technological limitation. We're going to be trapped on Earth because we just can't get along for a long enough time to do it. We are the ones who are limiting ourselves to only exist on Earth. Until we overcome that craziness that exists inside of us as a species, we can look up at the night sky and wonder, while the tools of our own creation, the robots, get to enjoy the splendor of the universe. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. Twitter is at deadrabbitradio. DeadRabbitRadio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys. 